welcome to episode 5 of the Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast. Joining me this week, um, Nikki Mertz again. Hello, Nikki. Hi. Um, Devan Pandya from Leicester. Hello. And Joby Wicks again. Hello. Um, and this is the first podcast, <laughs> we've only been doing um, a few, um, but this is the first one where um, everybody's um, not, there aren't any newbies, um, and uh, so... Hopefully, it should be plain sailing and smooth from this point. Um, one thing I do want to say is um, Rebecca um, Braddock was going to make her debut, but she couldn't um, join us this evening, um, unfortunately, because um, her daughter's not feeling too well. So, I hope she gets better. Good yeah. Well, yep. yep, echo that, yep. Right, three points. Another three points. Amazing. Phew. <laughs> Look... I don't think that those conditions were very easy at all. It looked dreadful out there. And considering what they had to play in, and and yeah, some of it wasn't pretty, but we got the points, and that's all that matters. Winning ugly. Everybody's going to do it at some point, so uh, so yeah, we've done it today. Yeah. Three points, two goals. It wasn't a, a it wasn't a, a bad performance that they. They did play well in, in short spells, but obviously away yeah. from home, you can expect the home team to, to set up camp and try and dictate play, which they did do for, for long periods of the game. But yeah. we hung in there quite well, you know, we, and I think the majority of the team had a good game as well. I think so. Dylan? I think it was worth remembering that going into this game, uh, so far this season, Swansea have been doing better than us and that's been reflected by the league table. So whether it's form or it's the teams that they've been playing against the ones that we've been playing, but the fact of the matter is that they've obviously got a more settled team and they were playing at home, uh, which was going to be difficult for us. Um, we've got conditions against it. The weather conditions were awful. Um, and I know that both teams have to play on that, but we've got a little bit of pressure on us at the moment. And all things considered, um, I think we did fantastically. You know, we played the full 90 minutes. We ground out a result. Uh, you know, we, we love to play the Tottenham way, but uh, I'm sure we all prefer the three points and, you know, and, and jumping up the table, at least above Swansea anyway. So uh, I thought it was a, I thought we played really well considering the fact that they are a decent side. But based on what I saw, to be honest, towards the last 10, 15 minutes of the game, I was thinking, yeah, if it finishes one all, fine, I'll, I'll take a draw because I, I, I think anything more than that. Um, would have been a little bit unfair on Swansea. As it was, we got three points, so I don't care. We've got three points and they haven't. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. I, I mean, the end of the day is, you would, any neutral would look on that and say Swansea were hard done by, really, because they did play the better game. But we're not Swansea fans, we're Spurs fans. So so what if they if they played a bit better? They were playing at home. Like mm. Devin said, they've got a pretty settled team, really. You look back from, from when they came up through the leagues under Martinez and Rogers and Laudrup and now um, with Monk, they're all under all those bosses, they've all played the same type of football. So it, it's ingrained into their club, into their team. That's how they play. And they brought players in specifically to continue to play that way, which is what we haven't been doing. That's what we are aiming to do, what Swansea are doing. And... Uh, and it will happen for us. It definitely will happen for us. But there are going to be games where 
it's going to be a bit feisty. I mean, there were some good challenges going in, but on both sides, um, the conditions weren't great. We were away from home and we come away with three points. You know, what more can you ask, really? Uh, and it's worth mentioning that under all of those aforementioned managers, um, they've never beaten us in the Premier League, mm. I, believe, I believe, either home or away. And we've always finished above them. Um, and which is good. Yeah. yeah, which is which is good. It says a lot that we've we've beaten Swansea, we've beaten Everton. Now that's kind of at the moment where we are with regards to this the 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 form that we're showing and the league table that we're as in where we are in the league table as well. Uh, and we're probably not doing as well against top four teams. But at least we're beating those teams around us because that's where we need to start with and, and, and start pushing ourselves up and have a little bit of confidence, a bit of stability, um, getting the back four settled um, and finding that best best 11. So at least we're doing what we have to do, which is to beat those teams around us. Yeah. I mean, they're, no mugs. They're, they're no mugs, are they? I mean, Swansea are no mugs. They beat Arsenal. O- Arsenal play an open game. We play an open game. But we, we came away with a win. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I, I saw someone posted uh, saying that Fatongan was having a shocking game. Um, I don't think that he and Fazio played so badly. I think Fazio is coming into his own, and I think they're a good combination, those two. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Fazio, at the moment, he's, he's still got a few uh, errors in him each game. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's, it's, absolutely. But apart from the, those couple of errors... He's getting himself into some good positions. He's getting some very good blocks in as well. It's just, you know, once the errors, you know, he starts to cut them out of his game, I think we'll see a very good centre-back there. Yeah. I'd, I'd echo what, what Nicky said. I think they, they did I think they did okay. I don't... Um... They went brilliant, but they... Yeah. they you know, I, I, I don't think it's fair to say that they had a shocker of a game. I think what's going to be really key this season, and, and looking at the lineup today at the back four or back five, if you include Loris, um, that's arguably our strongest. Um, yeah. Back yeah. Five. Loris in goal, Kyle Walker coming back right, mm. uh, right back, and he's you know it's going to take a while for him to settle in. Davis at left back, and then Fazio and um, Batonga, who have already played a few games together. That partnership will, t- or any partnership, will, will take some time to gel. So. But then, um, do you think, though, that that will be his preferred... I mean, come January, I mean, there's reports of that. Um, is it Albiol, the Spanish guy? We're being linked with quite a few defenders here and there. Do you think that he would prefer to stick with that back four? Do you think he's going to want to bring somebody in to replace any of that back four? I, I think that longer term, I'm sure there'll be other defenders coming in um, when you consider the, the other defenders we've got at the club at the moment when you consider Chirich as Kabul Mm. Um, but even if some people come in in January and I'm always dubious of of the January transfers window has been the best time to do business um, I don't think he's going to make any huge changes to the um, centre-back pairing going forward because any club you need stability you you need a back four to play together and certainly you need a centre-back partnership to to form so I, I would be very surprised if somebody comes in at in January and then start straight away. Um, as for Fazio, if I can make a analogy, and I'm not saying that he's he's as good or he's going to be the next um, new man of Vid- Vidic, but Vidic, when when United signed Vidic a few years ago, um, 
he didn't set the world alight. It, it took him quite quite a few games um, to come in, and I think the same will, will be true of Fazio. It'll all those errors that are still in his game. It, it, eventually, over time, they'll be eradicated, and I can see him forming a partnership with um, with Vertonghen. That the speed in which the Premier League plays, and Swansea are a really good indicator of that, is completely different from at least La Liga where it's a much more highly technical game and the pace is slightly slower. Okay, I know that you've got teams that maraud forward in, in La Liga as well, especially Real Madrid. But nevertheless, uh, this might not be the best league, but it's certainly probably the fastest anyway. So adjusting to that pace and just making sure that you're, you're quicker on the ball and, and your reactions are, are a big thing. And, and I think he's coping well um, and adjusting to that. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Definitely, uh, it, it, it's got to be hard for any any player to come into a, a different league to what they're used to playing in, and obviously it will take time for them to adapt to that. Some players can do it very quickly, other players, you know, it takes them a lot longer. But as I say, I mean, so far, Fazio, I mean, I'm, I'm quite impressed with him. I'm, you know, I think he's he's been getting quite a bit of stick off people on the internet and other places like that, a few other games and stuff. But you know, like I said. He's got a few mistakes, but he gets himself into the right positions. He made some very good blocks, mm. covered himself yeah. well. So, mm. and, he, and he is very good in the air, which is which is good for us having somebody that tall and, and good in the air. And and yeah. Boney's a fantastic striker. So you, even if he plays up front on his own, he's going to cause both defenders trouble. So I think we 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 did well enough considering the circumstances today to to keep to keep him quiet. And um, and I know he he caused us a lot of trouble at the back as well. But nevertheless, I think we we, we did well to to limit his opportunity. And I think he was slightly off today as well, in fairness. But nevertheless, um, Loris, Jan, and Fazio did did a okay job. It was great to see Walker back today. I, I was surprised mm. that he started and played the full ninety minutes. I know. Since, I mean, he'd only had seventy minutes in the European game and. I thought myself, well, I, I could maybe see him coming off sort of like 20 minutes to, from the end sort of thing, but they kept him on. And, I mean, his fitness level looked very good. Obviously, he wasn't quite match sharp. You know, you could see that in quite a few times he's, he, he lost his man, got back and stuff. But signs are good, you know, that he's back. Yeah. Yeah, he had so much. I mean, attackingly and defensively, he's just, he's just so much stronger. Um, just watching him, I just thought... <sighs> You know, Carl Norton was doing an okay job, but my word, Walker, we've missed him. We really, yeah. he adds, he adds so much dimension to our game and it just opens everything up. And he just seems to be everywhere and, and we've missed his pace and, you know, how he, he doesn't just easily let go of the ball. Yeah, there were errors, but for goodness sake, the pitch was slippery, yeah. you know. Mm. He's going to offer us a lot more whip on that right-hand side now. Yeah. yeah. Because again, you watched Lamella kept coming inside all the time on his onto his left foot, but every time he comes in, he's just leaving so much space there. Which before, obviously, Dyer wasn't quite so good at getting up quick enough. Chiriches is playing out of position out there. He did okay. Norton did all right earlier on, but now with Walker's pace, you know, if we, if we do persist with having Lamella out there, that's just going to leave so much space there for Walker to run onto. 
I think um, just to add to that, which um, I completely agree, it's great to have him back. There was a moment around the 70th minute mark where he was uh, bombing down the right and um, got tackled by Taylor and uh, or fouled by Taylor. Sorry, and Taylor got a yellow card. And and you you wouldn't believe that this is the same player who's been out for nine months and has 70 minutes below under his belt. And um, and yeah, he's bombing down and like put, causing the left back problems. And it's like he's never been away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He strikes me. He's always been a very fit lad, particularly that first season when he broke under, broke into the team under Harry Redknapp. He played a ridiculous amount of games. He was hardly rested. Um, mm. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure in that season, um, even in the Europa League matches, that and bear in mind that wasn't a competition that Harry Redknapp took seriously. Um, when Harry rested other players, he, I don't recall him resting. Um, Walker, he tended to start a lot of matches, um, so his fit- fitness levels are really good. Um, there was a moment, I think, maybe in the last five minutes of the game, um, when uh, one of the Swansea players, I think it was Gomez, um, had the ball and was running down the left, and Walker chased and chased and ran with him, um, didn't go to ground, and in the end, managed to, not out- outpace him, but... Um, managed to stay with the runner and also a combination of his speed but also his strength um, meant that um, Gomez wasn't able to beat um, beat Walker and the ball went out, went out of play and I mm. thought that was really, really mm. good defending. Yeah. I know it was. It was good to see. It's watch. Um, we spoke just now about Lamilla. I'm sorry but and I, I, I know he's talented but oh my God, he had a bad game. He really, they should have just started with Chadley. Lamella had a shocking game. He kept losing the ball and making stupid mistakes. He wasn't trying to do the fancy footwork, or at least I didn't really notice that he was trying to do that today. But he was just nowhere. His control was lacking today, wasn't it? Completely. The ball was coming to him. It was just bouncing away from him all the time. Mm. Whether that was conditions or not, I don't know. But, you know, the amount of times the ball went to him and it bounced away from him. And, but then they were putting two, you know, a couple of defenders on him every time he got the ball. He obviously thought he was going to be a threat. But yeah, I I would have liked to have seen him come off 15 minutes before he was brought off, to be honest. Yeah, no, I know. I actually was surprised. I was surprised that, that Chadley didn't come on sooner. But I think it was very, very intelligent um, a decision for to bring on Stambouli and Dembele. Yeah. I think that they were, they, you know... Pochettino making that kind of a, a substitution and when he made it, I thought was really key. And uh, it just gave me a bit of insight to his management style, I think, and what his game plan is. Yeah, I was going to say, Mason was looking tired at that time. And yeah. I should imagine those conditions were taken out of him. So mm. it, it was good to see Stambouli come on and he didn't do too badly on handball with a yellow card within the first few minutes. <laughs> 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 well, at least it's not a red one like Fazio, okay? Well, yeah. <laughs> but no, he, he didn't do too badly, to be honest with you. He, he was happy to take the ball, looked around, and he seemed to always want to look forward for a pass as well, not looking backwards. But I've got to say, I mean, Eriksson, the saviour, he's got to play in the middle. Yeah, he has to. I, I, I don't think you can keep putting him out on the left-hand side anymore now. He's... he's he comes in and he does all his work down that middle channel. I honestly think he's got to be starting. He's got to be starting in the middle of the park because he is, he's causing 
a lot a lot of um, danger going forwards. He's he's starting a lot of play. He's looking at he's passing the ball so well, and he's doing it all from down that middle of the pitch. So, do we play um, with one striker and have Ericsson behind? I don't know because I think Kane and Soldado work so well like that. Yeah, I think that's probably the reason why they've put him on the left because he can he can come in. But I agree with you that he's both goals that he's got the the one versus Hull and similarly tonight um, they've both come from that middle position where he's just taken the ball, put it out uh, onto his foot and and wraps his foot around it and uh, under pressure as well. So uh, it's it's about how do you get that um, get I, that player I, in his ideal position. I think personally, I, I would look at him as being being like what Modric was, mm. and I would really want to have him in the middle, playing in a Modric role with somebody like a Bentelab or a Stambouli or Capuli or whatever else next. Mm. And then have like Chadley and Lamella on the wings, or Chadley and Lennon on the wing. Yeah, yeah, that's what I that's what I would look for. Yeah, I think that both Kane and Eriksson are intelligent enough players to, for for one of them to start on the left and the other one in the middle, then for them to interchange in the course course of the game. Yeah, but they don't. Um, but both but both of them don't have the pace, though. I don't think to be playing. No, here. that's that's true. Um, as for the comparison with with Modric, when. Before Modric broke his leg, um, he played on the left in a 4-4-2 and would come in. And then I recall towards the end of that 0-9-10 season, he was playing in the centre um, and, and, and thereafter carried on playing in the centre. Now, he wasn't a strong player, but he was technically very good and he could hold the ball and he could the ball would stick to him. Yeah. Is Ericsson that good? I think he will be, yeah. Definitely. I think, yeah. I think he can become that good. He's he's such a brilliant player. He just, I think he sometimes lacks that strength. But if he can just be technically stronger, if that even makes sense, um, mm. to to be able to control the ball and to to fight off any opposition and and keep the ball, I think he can really become that good. He's very intelligent. I think he's the way forward more than Lamella. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. I, I mean, Lamella had a bad season last year. He, he's had a few good games and everything else. And I know we need to give him time and let him settle in. But at the moment, he, he just he just seems to be a bit, a bit of a weak link in our midfield. Yeah, and I, I guess there comes a point where, you know... Poch could either do what's right for the team and 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 give somebody else a chance, um, but then of course if he does that, then that might affect Lamella's confidence. So it, it's a difficult one sometimes. You know, when when you have a player that's that's you know frustrating or not playing as well as they can, um, which Lamella's been doing of late, um, how to what extent do you persevere with them? Without risking, without running the risk of, and it's the same with Soldado, without running the risk of breaking them. I think the the the, the worst thing is is the price tag. It's the fact that that is these cost near enough thirty million pounds. That's what everybody seems to be beating him with that stick of. Well, it's thirty million pounds. He's a waste of money. You know, that kind of money should be doing this and doing that. Obviously, we spent thirty million pounds on potential, but 
like you say, if he's not fitting into the way that we that we want to play and how we should be playing, then whether he's cost five million or thirteen million, if he doesn't fit, he doesn't fit. Mm. I mean, what did you think with today with that? Um, the referee didn't even give it as a foul. Where uh, he tried to block off, is it Montero with his oh, arm? Yeah. Caught him and he's gone down like a sack of shit. But you know, it's it's that was so easy being a red card in a game. I mean, I thought the referee handled it quite well, but he's just got he's got that little bit of um, feistiness in him. I know, I've noticed it in the whole team actually. I mean, we picked up three yellow cards in the first half. Normally, you know, we we go through games without any yellow cards at all. Just seems to be at the moment. We just seem to have that much more of a bite and a bit more fightiness about us that we're putting challenges in. But at times, the Mela looks to be quite a dirty player. But how much of that is just down to frustration? Yeah, exactly. I mean, when when Walker's handball. I'm sorry, to me it looked like he smacked the ball out of play. <laughs> I mean, that just looked like he was frustrated. I don't know if, what you think, but I mean, it was just silly. And he's lucky he didn't get anything mm. because of that. He is so lucky because he was on a yellow card already. Hello? <coughs> yeah, no, I'll say, uh, yeah. Maybe it's frustration because things aren't going right. I don't know, but you, you just can't keep, you know, giving away silly fouls like that or picking up yellow cards like that. Mm. At some point, it's going to end up, you know, affecting the game or, you know, getting sent off something really, really stupid and trivial. Or I wonder how many of those yellow cards were... were it, it was just one of those sort of games because Swansea had about three yellow cards, so... I should imagine there must have been about four or five each at the end of it, and there were some, there were some very tasty challenges going in, and a lot of them were, the referee was letting them go, which, which I thought was quite good. I mean, I mean, obviously the odd occasion, you scream, "Oh, it should have been a foul," but obviously there's one given against, you know, against us, which which wasn't given, sort of thing. But um, and I think the conditions had 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 quite a bit to to do with that as well. Well, yeah. I mean, especially in the case of Vertonghen's um, yellow, which was unfortunate because he, he was actually, I think he did get a touch on the ball, but um, the follow-through was because he was sliding across the turf. And he and, and if you play, if you see his normal game, he's very good at uh, uh, maintaining his posture when, he, when he'll make that stop. He's good at staying on his feet. Yeah, he is. I think he was lucky to stay on. Really? Not, only in so far as I've seen, I've seen some referees give them... Well, just, yeah, yeah, two legs out, stretched, and his his studs were out showing. I, I, I personally, I thought he was quite lucky because I've seen players be sent off for worse than that and for less than that, and I did think he was quite lucky. Hmm. But then I think that that ref was pretty fair today. I, th- I thought he was decent. You know, he wasn't um, he wasn't biased. No, he tried to let him let the game flow as much as he could do. Yeah, he did under the, under the conditions. I think he did pretty well because mm. I mean, you know, it was bound to there were bound to be yellow cards in, under those conditions. The I mean, that driving rain was. Oh, I would hate to play in that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, what I just about, hate being wet. But <laughs> what about the Harry Kane then? For that, did you think that that could have been a penalty when he went down early on? 
Uh, I, I saw that about three or four times, and every time I looked at it, I thought either he'd been clipped or he clipped himself and fell down, or he died. That's a man, hasn't he? You know? <laughs> yeah, and it was just so difficult to see. You know, you think, well, what what really happened there? And then uh, I went onto the page, and there were a few people saying, oh, he definitely did this, or this definitely happened. But I couldn't, I couldn't be certain myself. No, but you, you think if, if he's gone past a man, stay on your feet. What I think he, I, I thought he, I thought it was one of those situations where he accidentally uh, clipped his own heel uh, and and fell. But uh, but then his reaction suggested he was looking for a pen. Which, if that was the case, then it probably wasn't the right reaction. Yeah. I thought, I thought he, he was. Yeah. I thought he tripped himself. I I thought that the, there was some minimal touch from a Swansea player. And I don't think he he then exaggerated the, um, going to ground. I think that it, 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 the conditions might have played a part on that. Uh, anyway, doesn't matter. It's academic. We've got three points. <laughs> Who cares? And we score from the corner. I know. We yeah. did that. <laughs> I mean, That's the second one this year, isn't it? Yes. Got one at the beginning. That, of the season. That's right. Yes, I got one in the beginning of the season. And now we scored again. First man, and we get a goal. <laughs> Ericsson's deliveries were, were pretty tasty. Um, talking of goals, um, so uh, Soldado went another game without scoring, which is good for you, Joby, oh. because you don't have to eat any marmite. Uh, good I, for you, Nikki, uh, because you don't no, have to no, eat no, any no, mushrooms. No, 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 no. I said if Soldado scores or any player scores, go back and have a look. And I said, and if we win, it's a tablespoon of Marmite. So I'm sorry, Joby, tablespoon of Marmite recorded. Go back and have a look. I didn't mention just Soldado. I said any player. So it's two teaspoons and one tablespoon. Thank you very much. And you've got to record it and then put yeah. it on the, on, the, on, the, on the Facebook page. Absolutely. Okay. So let's just get that so, right. <laughs> we look forward to that. I don't. <laughs> Just think of Spurs when you when you take that mouthful of Marmite. Um, that would make it worse, to be honest. <laughs> oh no, no, we won, so yeah. So I think I can I, I can let that go down quite far. I think. Lie, lie back and think of Tottenham. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we've got um, next two games. We've got Newcastle on Wednesday, Wednesday in the Capital One Cup, and then we've got Burnley um, at home on Saturday. Ah, how do we all feel about those games? I think we're going to win them both. I really do. I think um, Newcastle—they've got some injury issues at the moment. I think they might even have some suspensions. Arsenal turned them over quite comfortably in the end. And uh, we've obviously got a, a debt to score with them as well. So, yeah, I think Wednesday night, I think it'll be a very strong team at home. Just having uh, having one today as well, I think I think that will buoy the lads. And I think, yeah, I've got a feeling we're going to win 2-1 on, on Wednesday. And we'll take that one again to the next weekend. And, uh, and I think we'll beat Burnley 2-0. Okay, so that's two more and then another two more spoons of Marmite for you. No, 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 no. This, that's it. This game, that's it now. <laughs> Goals have been scored, that's it. Nicky? Um, look, I'm a little 
concerned about Newcastle. I think that we shouldn't underestimate them. Um, and it also just depends on what team Poch puts out. You know, uh, I do also think that our support has something to do with how we play because today you can really hear the fans going crazy and singing. I mean, at one stage, they're just out saying the whole of the Swansea home crowd. It was, it was brilliant to listen to. So I think it depends on who he puts out. But if, if it's anything like we play today, where we're hungry for it and we're, we've got that desire, um, yeah, I think we could beat them. Um, but I think it, it will be a bit of a closer game. So I think possibly one all or we will beat them one nil. So it will be a draw or one nil. And then Burnley will beat them three nil. Diana, are you going to jump on the bandwagon of optimism? Uh, I think the Newcastle game is going to be a tough one because, again, they're, they're one of these teams that I think that despite the result that they got on the weekend uh, against the Gooners, I think they'll be tough opposition. Uh, they've come here already and beaten us and um, they know which buttons to push as far as the crowd are concerned and things like that. So I think that's going to be a tough game. I'd like to think that we have enough to beat them because we're, we're, we're doing okay uh, at the moment. But uh, again, I think after 90 minutes, it'll be a draw. Um, if if we lose, I wouldn't be completely uh, distraught by that because they are they are a form team at the moment. But I'd like to think that we've got in, we've got the squad to be able to to beat them um, and and get over this home hoodoo. Burnley, Burnley have actually picked up a bit of form now. They're doing quite well. They beat uh, Southampton yesterday, didn't they? Uh, so. Uh, they'll be riding high off that. Um, they've got nothing to lose, really, because they've been sat at the bottom of the table for most of the season. And um, I think that's going to be one of those frustrating ones where you just keep looking at... Oh, oh is it a Saturday 3 o'clock game, by the way? Yeah, it's a Saturday 3 o'clock. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be one of those frustrating ones where you keep looking at um, Soccer Saturday and thinking, it's still nil-nil. It's still nil-nil. Uh, but I'd like... Again, I think we can... I think we've got enough to to sneak a win on that one, uh, but again, it's not a it's not a walkover. I don't think either game is a walkover. Okay. So I'll go with uh, I'll go with a draw on Wednesday after ninety minutes, uh, and a win on Saturday. But I'm being very optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I think we're going to beat Newcastle easy. I think it's going to be a great um, night's cup night. In our history, it's going to be one of those fantastic nights. We're going to be buoyant afterwards, and we're going to think we're going to go on and win the Capital One Cup. But it's just going to be one of those glory, glory nights. Um, Burnley, however, I am very concerned about because I think they are. I was going to say they were bottom of the table, but you're right, they won yesterday. Um, but then that's a good well, thing, though, isn't it? They won yesterday because that's their first win of the season. It's not against yeah. us. No, indeed. Um, that's that's good. Uh, they're still no. They've won two uh, two in a row now. Haven't oh, they? that's two now, is it? Yeah, yeah. They've won two in a row now. Yeah. Oh well, well, then even better then. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's against us. Like, have they won away from home? Because that if they haven't 
broken that milestone, <laughs> and then I've got a feeling they might do it on Saturday. Um, my worry is that against Burnley, we're, we're going to beat Newcastle middle of the week, no problems. It's going to be a great night. We're it's going to be. We're going to be feeling top of the world, and then we're going to be pl- playing Burnley at home, and we're going to think, right, it's, it's it's little old Burnley, and we can beat them. It's going to be three points easy, easy, and Burnley are going to come to White Hart Lane. They're going to shut up shop. They're going to make it very difficult, and then they'll probably get a goal um, uh, uh, against the runner play, and, and, and that's it. And it's going to be one of those frustrating um, afternoons, and I hope I'm, I really, really hope I'm wrong, but I, I, I've just seen too many of them at home this season, so... You mean in the, yeah. in the same style as the Palace game? Yeah, the Palace game, West Brom. Mm. Take, your, take your pick. I don't know. I mean, the difference there really is um, the Palace and West Brom. And obviously, Burnley have got Danny Ings, who's, who, who has been a fantastic striker for them. But when you look at the Palace team and the uh, West Brom team, they, they, they have, they've got more about them. They've got more dangerous players in them. I think Burnley will be a workman-like team. Probably will try and sit behind the ball and try and, you know, just try and defend it out sort of thing. But I, I, you can't underestimate them, obviously. But I don't think they, they will offer as much danger as what Crystal Palace have offered and what West Brom have offered or, I mean, even possibly QPR as well. But, but no, I, I think we'll have more than enough to beat them. Too, and I think it will, will be a 2-0 win. I wish I could share your, your optimism, Toby, but yeah, I, I I don't know. Does anyone think that if we were playing both matches away, that it would be slightly easier? Yeah, purely for the crowd effect. But then saying that, the crowd at home against Everton were fantastic, and if they can do that again on uh, when, well, I think the real deal is is, is is Wednesday an eighteen eighty two game? No, it's not. It's new. No, it's not. I was going to say because that that would make a big difference as well. They've got a really really good buoyant crowd on Wednesday night, and if we win that, I think it'll be a very good crowd again for for Saturday. But I just hope the fans don't get on their backs too early if we don't start off, you know, out the trap sort of thing. Well, on on Wednesday or on Saturday? Well, both games really. I think Wednesday will be it'll be a different atmosphere. It's going to be a cup tie by virtue of the fact that it's going to it's going to be a cup tie. It's going to be more I don't know uh, what's the phrase sort of tackles flying in a bit more competitive. So and and I think the the Newcastle fans will generate a really good atmosphere. There's going to be lots of Geordies travelling for that game. I think they've they've sold their allocation. So I think that would that will have a bearing um, on that match. Whereas Burnley, I don't know. I just, I can just see it being one of those frustrating afternoons. Yeah, it's it's amazing how when we, when we play away, like we have done against Villa, against Hull, and today, that the team just in the last fifteen minutes of the game, they just go into fifth gear, and and you can see the opposition's hiring as they did on previous two occasions as well. And yet when we're at home. That frustration is verbalised, and you can just you can sense the tension in the atmosphere, can't you? Mm. If anything, we're we're struggling to to see games out, like like we did against Everton, which we played fantastic well. The crowd would get, but towards the end, there was that there was that tension in the in the atmosphere.
so um, we've had a few questions um, come in. Um, I'm not going to I'm not going to read every single one of them, um, but I'll try to get through as many as I possibly can. Kevin Morgan asks, um, and this is a um, this player polarizes opinion, shall we say? Um, actually, you could say that about any Tottenham player. Um, <laughs> will Ad- will- <laughs> Kevin Morgan asks, will Adebayor complete a full season without drama? <sighs> Legitimate or less than legit reasons? No. And I think it's more for, you know, things that are happening to him rather than him doing anything to make these sort of things happen. He's like, I think he's just a... An unfortunate person that just attracts drama in his life, really. I think I think we'll see him play again for Spurs. I don't think that'll be the end of his his Spurs career, just because he's gone over for for this um, well personal reasons, whether it's to do with his mum and the juju ju- juice or whatever else. You know, I don't know, but but um, the weather's better in South Africa, uh, in Africa generally, so. I don't blame him for wanting to come home. <laughs> <laughs> Your weather's horrible. <laughs> Sorry, Joby, I didn't mean to cut you off like that. No, no, that's fine. Don't worry. It's horrible <laughs> at the moment, but yeah, I, I think I think he'll be back, and um, and, I, and I think he'll put in some performances for us. I don't think he'll stay after this season. I think he'll be gone, but I can't see him, you know, for the rest of his career having a full season without any kind of drama or issues because I think uh, he just attracts them. It's just unfortunate for him that that's, that's the, way, the way his life's gone and I think that's the way his life will continue to go. He's only ever completed one full season for us without any drama and that was his first season, 2011-2012. And that um, was on loan as well? That was on loan. And then thereafter... Um, 2012 to 2013 he was out for some of it injured then he was at the African Nations Cup then he came back late and then last season there was all the stuff with AVB not freezing him out and then him coming back and the death of his brother as well wasn't there yeah death of his brother and then this season he started off okay scored a couple but hasn't really scored any many more since then went out of the team In- said, a, said a few controversial things um, after we played Stoke um, and now we've got all this juju nonsense it's one big circus with 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 with, with Addy um, there's, no, there's no question that he's a talented footballer um, that's you, you can't question that but it's just you just feel as though there's a circus with him wherever he goes and almost like he's a diva it's just he just mm. wants the drama and he wants the attention yeah. and the controversy surrounding him he's just one of those players i guess uh, yeah exactly what what nikki said and and Javid as well that, that there's this circus that follows him around and the the thing is if he um if he did it on the pitch you could forgive him and say, okay, for for all the drama that he that he has in his life, you know, it's not fair to blame him because I don't know exactly what the specifics are, and it could just be that stuff is happening. It's just a lot of bad luck. But nevertheless, 
if he was doing it on the pitch, if he was scoring goals or he was contributing effectively, then you can say, okay, you know, at least it balances itself out. But I'm struggling to think of the last time I saw Adebayor pull on a Spurs shirt and make a, a significant contribution uh, in, in recognition of, of everything that he's done in the past as a player, as a Man City player, as an Arsenal player at Real Madrid, where when he... When he um, uh, played against us in the Champions League. You, you couldn't, you couldn't mark him. He was such a powerhouse, and that's what you want him to do. But he doesn't do it. And then when all this stuff happens, it's just more frustration. That every time I hear about Adebayor, it's never a goal. It's never like you know a, a contribution to a win or a, or a significant result. It's always something else happening in his life. Um, if you consider. Alex Ferguson, who was who has been arguably the most successful British manager in the last twenty five years, um, if Adebayor had been a United player, I don't think he would have lasted that long under under Sir Alex Ferguson. No, he wouldn't. No, he he would have been gone after a year. Yeah. Now we could, as fans, we could go on and debate the extent to which you'd want to persevere with him and and, 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 his, and how talented a footballer he is. And like I said, I, 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 I wouldn't question his footballing ability. But if you take Ferguson as being the bank benchmark for a successful manager, um, Ferguson wouldn't have wouldn't have tolerated... No, no, neither would Mourinho. Circus. Neither would Mourinho and Wenger didn't. Yep. Mine too. Well, I mean, you look at Man United, they've, they've had it with other players. I mean, he, he has to buy some players. I mean, you look at Eric Cantona. I mean, that guy was a bit of a fruit loop, you know, kung fu in a bloody supporter. And, Cantona was a genius. You know? so. Cantona, Cantona, I think, was the, the one exception. So, at United, so there was an but... exception that he would put up with it from a certain player in the hope that he could help them or get over it to get the ability out of him. No, but the, the, the thing is, at least at least you could um, counterbalance the argument of of the the, the trouble that that he had, or the circus that he had because he did it on the pitch. It's the same as Suarez. People, you know, Liverpool fans especially. Uh, I'm not talking about all the, the the crazy ones who say, yeah, he might be a racist biter, but he's our racist biter. I'm talking about the people who say the problem I have with Suarez is. For all the drama that he brings, he does it on the pitch. And then you've got that dilemma of should we keep him or should we not? Because without him, we're in trouble, which, which as we know now, this season, that's been proven. With Adebayor, it's, there isn't that balance argument of what he contributes on the pitch. Then, but yeah, but he's, he's a completely different player to, to the likes of Suarez and um, Cantona and what have you. you know, he, he, the way he plays his game is completely different. So, I don't know... I, I like Adebayo. I think he's a fantastic player. And I think he does contribute quite a bit to the team when he's in the team. I do think he works quite hard. Because nine times out of ten, when he's playing for us, he's playing for us up front on his own. So, and, and he does put in a shift. He does run around. I know people moan it and they call him lazy, hands on his hips, whatever. He's always smiling, whatever. But it's just the way that he is. That's just him. You know, he might put his hands on his hips. So do other players. He might have a smile on his face. He he miss a sitter or a penalty or whatever else. He smiles. People turn around and never go at him for it. But that's just the way that he is. I do think he's a fantastic player, and I do think he gets a lot of bad press, and it's not it's not justified. 
and you know I think people have got their minds made up about him and that's that so he is a different player to Suarez and everybody else I if I was the manager of Spurs I would want to keep him and I would want to try and get the best out of him because we've all seen the best out of him and and the best out of him is he is well he's one of the best strikers in the world on his day because nobody nobody can handle him in a word, um, a quick word from all of you, will he be in a Spurs shirt at, um, next season, start of next season? No. Sadly, no. I don't think he will be. No. I think he's. I think his time's done. Yeah, I agree with that. David Pips asks, with regards to the new stadium. Sorry, sorry. With regards to the name. Third time, with regards to the name of the new stadium when it comes, should we stick with White Hart Lane or something to do with Bill Nick, or will it be sold to the highest bidder? It'll be sold to the highest bidder to bring in some money and to partly pay for the construction of it. That's just the way way things are going nowadays. Mm. Such is the way of modern football. Um, look at Newcastle. Not not a new stadium, but they they rename St James's Park the Sports Direct Arena. Or something. Is it, is it still Sports Direct Arena? Has it gone back to St James's or or what? I don't I don't know to be honest. Yes, it's gone back to St James's Park. I think um, the the company who bought the naming rights changed it back. So it wasn't really Ashley's doing. Ashley actually said no, it's Sports Direct Arena, and I want to sell it on to somebody else. Uh, and then the, the company that bought it, they've changed it back to St James's Park. Oh, fair play to them if they have. That's- yeah, yeah. Pretty good, yeah. It will be sad if we lose White Hart Lane. I mean, there's so much history with that name. Yes, it's a new stadium, but, I mean, it's it's still our history, so it would be very sad. Well, do you, do you think we might be able to do it similar to, like, with, with West Ham? Obviously, everybody calls it Upton Park, but it's the, the bowling ground, isn't it? So do you think we might be able to keep White Hart Lane in connection with the new stadium's name? You see, I don't know the technicalities around the whole thing, so I would like to think so, but I, I, unfortunately, I'm just I'm not versed in this, so I don't really know my my stats. And somebody in the group will probably nail me because I don't. So I'm going to rather plead the fifth. <laughs> I mean, it, it could end up selling the rights to say somebody like I don't know if if Apple, for example, bought it, the Apple Stadium at White Hart Lane. I'd like the idea of that. Yeah, maybe. No I doubt. Think... I was going to say, no doubt. When they build the new stadium, they're obviously going to keep the name of you know a road along there as White Hart Lane or something like that. So they, they won't they won't lose it altogether. It was uh, it was interesting when um, St James's Park was changed to the Sports Direct Arena or Stadium that um, the uh, the commentary well not the comment but the, but the football. Uh, pundits on the radio and television uh, whether they were doing it for a fan's perspective or not but uh, they just insisted that for us whatever they call it we're going to call it St James's Park I don't think we'll get the same kind of leeway because of the uh, the, the bad press that we seem to attract for no reason at all at the moment but uh, nevertheless it was interesting to see that as far as they were concerned they were going to call it that for as long as possible until someone said no you now have to call it the Sports Direct Arena but I, I think that that's mainly because it was still the same stadium all they did was just sell the name of it, which they, they obviously thought that's not the right thing to do. 
whereas we're going to have a completely different stadium. So one half it was one stadium. This is going to be a completely different stadium. So although, you know, it's no longer White Hart Lane, it's because it's a completely different stadium. But so. if if the thing, everything could be solved if the White Hart pub in Leicester bought I'll pop. I'll pop into Thermiston tomorrow and I have a word with them. Listen, fantastic. Uh, quizzes every week. And... <laughs> yeah. I think whatever it's called, and, and and I think it probably will be driven by commercial factors. I think in in in, in supporters' minds, it'll always be White, White oh, Hart yeah. Lane. Yeah, well... um, and and the fact the fact the new stadium is is just going to be a stone throw away from. The existing White Hart Lane, I think it will always be White Hart Lane in in our minds. Um, Niall Murphy asks, "What's the most ridiculous thing you've seen at a football stadium?" Um, for him, it was um, at Highbury, sitting amongst two um, Arsenal fans who got into a brawl with each other. <laughs> um, the, game, the game ended one all. Ian Wright scored a penalty. He can't remember who scored for Spurs. Thank you. I can't honestly think of anything. Most ridiculous thing. Um, no, I can't. I you have to come back to me on that one. I can't think of anything right now. I have to pass on that as well, Chavid. Yeah. Nikki. Yeah. Me too. I um, think. I wouldn't say it was the most ridiculous thing that I've seen, um, but certainly it was something that would stick with me forever. Um, I was at the. Tottenham Bolton match FA Cup tie um, when Fabrice Mwamba um, mm. had his heart attack and that that was just surreal. It was just absolutely. Uh. Um, I, I I was yeah like thirty six out of a thousand people in the stadium. We were just in a state of shock. Yeah. And it just felt to anybody who who was out that game um it just felt you just felt really numb afterwards you know when something happens to you and you feel numb and you, you're in a state of shock but ma- magnify that by 36,000 yeah. Um, yeah just glad it, it ended up you know in a in a, in a good way you know, he's made his recovery and yeah it's fantastic um, um what no well okay go on. i thought of something um, not so much ridiculous at a game, but what I think is ridiculous, when they walk out down the tunnel onto the pitch at all these Premiership games, the referee picks up the match ball off a little stand. <laughs> How bloody stupid is that? <laughs> you know, the camera pats down, it zooms up, and there's the football on top of the little stand. The referee walks out, smiles at the camera, picks the ball up, and proudly marches on. You know, what the hell's that? That's bloody ridiculous. Because there's a lot of stuff like that that happens, which, uh, considering that uh, the money that comes into football is predominantly from television, when that stuff all actually happens, they cut to adverts anyway. And uh-huh. and, and fans themselves don't care about it, like the handshake thing. You know, who cares about the handshake? They even said that with the uh, Wayne Bridge, Terry, Suarez <laughs> and everything. I was like, you know, the whole, oh... Will they do the handshake? Will they not do the handshake? Like nobody, like you know, nobody cares about that stuff anyway. And yet, when they do have that whole handshake moment, generally, or the ball off the podium, they they say, you know, Martin Tyler, and it's live. That that bit comes on, and you never see it anyway. So why yeah. don't we scrap the whole bloody thing? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Get rid of it. <laughs> I, I don't like the Premier League matches. There's a, there's a sort of theme tune they put at the beginning, which they didn't used to. 
And since when did the Premier League become the Champions League? It's fine. I don't, I don't mind for Champions League games. You've sort of got used to that, the Champions League theme tune. But I, I hate it when they have that at Premier League games. It's so tacky. It's going to end up with um, going, going the same with the darts, with, uh, with having walk-on <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's just a simple game. Jumpers for goalposts, 11 men. Or 22 men kicking a ball. Although, Javid, can I just add to that? I, I do like the fact that we've got Jewel of the Fates from Star Wars playing at the beginning of all of our games because uh, if it, it's, it does kind of create that that mentality of going to go out there and have a, have a good fight. And, um, and, some, and some states, some, some teams have got um, certain uh, themes that are associated, like Leicester City have got to the post-horn gallop, which they've had for donkey's years. Mm. Um and I've noticed, like Old Trafford, have got the Rocky thing, which if you if you have that association with it, and you know what that means, that that kind of emotion that goes with it, then uh, it's great. But um, I know there's also some which just pluck some dance track out of thin air. Yeah. Well, well, that, that one that'll do. Wigfield Saturday night or something. Yeah. Um, Andy, fellow podcaster or one-time podcaster, but hopefully he'll appear on. The- podcast again in the near future Andy Scoggins asks why do you love Tottenham not why do you support them but why do you love them so much ah why do I love them so much it's just it's like I don't know they're just they're just part of your family aren't they you know I mean like why do your brother why do you love your brother or your sister you know it could be a right pain in the ass and piss you off so much and knit your clothes or whatever else but you still love them it, it, it's just it's un- unconditional it is they're, they're just you know they're just a, they're, they've just become a part of you a part of your life so so yeah, yeah I suppose it's just you know well you've got to love yeah, them I... if you don't love them who else is going to love them <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just like um, your your country of birth you know you inherently support them and you love them no matter what and well I do at any rate. So it's the same for Tottenham. I think originally I I started supporting Tottenham because my ex was useless at it and I just like to show him how it's done. But uh, <laughs> now I'm a lot better at it than he is and I've succeeded in being better than he is, which is great for me. <laughs> but in the, in the meantime, I mean, it's just it's just I can't think of another team that I would even want to support. Every other team to me just is is the opposition, and 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 some of them I don't mind, uh, where others I hate. Tottenham is just they're just part of who I am, I suppose. Like you said, Joby, it's it's like having a sibling that you love unconditionally, or a parent, or something. I just love the fact that we're so unique. We've got a unique name. We've got a unique style. We we we're never you know we're perennially bridesmaids but you know there's never a dull moment being being a Spurs fan um you know what's the I, I sometimes I sometimes despair for United fans because you win everything and then the only thing you've got to look forward to is well you know we better not lose I mean that's a horrible mentality to go into a football match with as a fan like we better not lose because you know we have to keep winning whereas at least now with us you know we have that to look forward to and when we do it we do it well and then, you know, because it's never a dull moment, 
we we invariably end up losing. Like it's like I suppose Newcastle are probably the only other team that I can imagine whose supporters have the same kind of roller coaster life that we do. <laughs> it's in the DNA, and I think that. Um. Yeah, it's it, it's difficult to put. I was going to say it's difficult to put into words why you love them so much. Um, other than I think Joby summed it up perfectly. It's like your family, and 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 it's just an unconditional love. You know, there are times that Tottenham drive us mad and drive us into despair, and there are times that that they make us sad, and there are other times they make us happy. But the one constant is our love or our support for that team and it, it yeah sorry I'm getting very emo- yeah. I'm, getting, I'm getting very emotional so we agree part of your DNA <laughs> yeah um, final few questions Sam Moore asks how much wood can a woodchuck actually <laughs> chuck or, or are they all talk oh, I've seen them in action they can chuck a lot of wood have you ever seen it on uh, on Sky every now and again? They do these. Um, it's huge in America and also in like Germany. They it's um, you know steel and make the um, chainsaws. They do this um, wood competition. You get like a team of three or four guys, and they've got like uh, axes and saws and chainsaws, and they've got to cut these big logs and chop these things down. And I mean, they're they're pretty good at it. Very good at it. I'm not a woodchuck aficionado, so I can't really pass any comments. No, I'm an urban urchin. I know nothing about that subject. I thought it was an animal. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were talking about an animal. I'm not somebody who really goes and cuts down trees. Come on. <laughs> That's what I thought. That it's an animal. Yes, like there's um what what. Do you like get a woodpecker? Oh my god! I'm gonna to have to can somebody yeah, like Google a, that? Do you a get a woodpecker? Squirrel or something? Yeah. Yeah, like a kind of. Squirrel. It's like a cross between a chipmunk and a woodpecker. <laughs> a chippecker. <laughs> so I think that... Sam's going to go go to bed sleepless because we haven't answered his question. <laughs> no, it'll be one of life's mysteries. Um, <clears throat> Somebody called Nikki Metz asks if a man, if a man, if a man, indeed, if a man opens his mouth to speak and there are no women around <laughs> to hear to hear him, is he still wrong? <laughs> the answer, just in case you weren't sure, is yes. <laughs> Man's never wrong. Hmm. Even when he's wrong, he's never wrong. (laughs) Just to put a twist on that, uh, my girlfriend does the silent treatment to whenever I am wrong. So technically speaking, she isn't there, but I am wrong. (laughs) And she'll be be listening to this later and she'll have that sly grin on her face saying, yep, I've got you trained up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. I've never understood the silent treatment thing. I think it's like a dip- diplomatic types use it. Um, they usually um, end up in relationships with loud gobby types like myself. And um, they know when to 
to gauge that going from a very peaceful place of conversation to a dip into silence and that's when you know okay probably uh probably went overboard there so uh so yeah that's the that's the silent element doesn't the si- doesn't the silence comprehend um th- doesn't the silence have something to do with the fact that w- that women are still trying to comprehend the answer <laughs> that they've just heard and they, and they can't quite um compute what's been said but i think that that in itself is the answer which is i don't understand so therefore you're wrong I think you got spot on there, mate. Yeah. Sorry, guys. No matter what you say, you're wrong. So, moving on swiftly. Moving on swiftly. Finally, and talking of women, um, or a certain uh, type of women, um, another fellow podcaster, Rob Wills, asks if a lesbian, if a lesbian is somebody who only likes girls and not ma- not men, does that mean I'm a lesbian too? What you? Rob Wills. Oh, Rob. Oh, right. Because you'd be a, you'd be a posh lesbian, Javid. Yeah. <laughs> I am so not posh. <laughs> I don't I don't see that as being a problem personally, but uh, you know, if you're posh, then what so... being a posh lesbian? No, just being posh. I, I know it's been a, a a cause for concern on recent podcasts, but I don't I don't know what the fuss is all about. You should embrace your poshness, Javid. <laughs> I just. Don't subscribe to the theory that I am posh, but well, clearly not if we've seen your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> That's another conversation, but really, That's... don't don't take advice from Joby. Whatever you do, he's single. Okay, That's all I'm gonna say. Uh, single and ready to mingle. Oh, I love you, Joby. <laughs> <laughs> but, so uh, to, okay, to answer you... Rob's question. Mm-hmm. Where does Rob stand? Is he um? He's he a lesbian, lesbian too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He's a like raven lesbian. <laughs> I'm I'm bi. Polar guys, not sexual. <laughs> Polar. That that was the loudest silence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we definitely weren't wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Just a quick one. My, my mom was interviewing somebody one day for a job interview, and she wanted to ask her if she was fully bilingual. And she said, I hope you're sexual. <laughs> <laughs> and she sort of fumbled and said, I mean, I mean, can you speak both languages? And the didn't, got the job, but didn't accept. I think she was concerned. <laughs> oh, so Rob, mate, there you go. Confirmation if you need it. You are a lesbian. Rob, you big lesbian. There. Ah, and on that note, um, Joby, you looking forward to um, sampling some Marmite and then uploading the video? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I'm not very looking forward to it, but but um, I am glad. I'm glad I've got to do it because it means that we've obviously scored me won the game. So, but I just want to clear this up. It's just going to be one spoonful. No. Not- Two spoonfuls and one big spoonful, just one. <laughs> I, I made it very clear exactly what the challenge was. So, Joby, please live up to my expectations. It wasn't going to be for, for more than one score, right? It was just supposed to be for one score. No, be... no, no, I can read it. I will find the post and I will retag you in it. I was very, very specific. Uh, I think Nikki's probably right because... You've opened your mouth to speak. She's around on the podcast, yes. so you must be, you, you <laughs> must be wrong. wrong. <laughs> so, yeah. 
I can um, I can imagine my girlfriend's retrospectively nodding her head while she's listening to this. So uh, so that, that makes <laughs> that makes two ladies. <laughs> yeah. I should also add that um, I think just before we started recording the podcast, Nikki mentioned that um, South Africa won the Miss World um, title today. So congratulations to Miss World South Africa. Absolutely, thank you. Relief Spouse is her name. And on that note, we're all off to celebrate Spurs winning and South Africa winning Miss World with, with Nikki. Um, oh, wow. The future's bright. The future's Lily White. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Glory, glory, hallelujah.